0: Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, the podcast where we explore the origins and developments of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's another issue of The Flash this week. Yay. I know. It's the, it's the Barry Allen podcast, pretty much, at the moment. We make no apologies for this. There'll be a few more issues of The Flash along after this one. In many ways, the podcast is the story of Barry Allen. Yes, uh-huh. So I'm glad, in a way, that we've kind of got so many Flash stories coming up, because, you know, it's given spoilers, what happens in Christ and Infinite Earths, that mm-hmm. any opportunity to feature Barry and reiterate his significance. The Silver Age starts with him, basically, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, uh-huh. He's the ultimate legacy hero in many ways, so it's... Yeah. It's good that we're doing so many of these stories. Today we are doing a story from issue 173 of The Flash, which is published on the 20th of July, 1967, and we record this today on the 19th of July, so that's quite nice. Oh gosh, yes. Yes, we're, so we're almost, only a day out of its anniversary. 54 years ago now, is that? hmm This was whiling its way, speeding its way to the, the newsstands of the world, indeed. or something or nothing. It'll be there quick as a flash. Yeah, indeed. Mm. Now cover to this issue is a belter, as we say in Scotland. An absolute cracker. Pete say, do that thing that you do so well. I certainly shall, and tell (laughs) you about the cover. It is a glorious dark black cover, which is great because the images really pop on it. You've got the Flash logo at the top in green with yellow highlights, which again makes it really pop. And we have got three images, and with each image there is a caption. The first image has... Wally West, Kid Flash Barry Allen Flash and Jay Garrick Flash running towards us and beside that there's a caption that says Once there were three flashes and then the next one we have Wally and Jay running towards us and the caption says Then there were two and finally we have Jay running towards us on his own with a little Infantino and Anderson signature at the side Mm -hmm. telling us that it's Cameron Infantino who drew it and Murphy Anderson who inked it And the caption beside that said, then there was one. And at the bottom, to cap it all off, there's just a single caption that says, finally, there was none. Yes, Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash, is back very soon after his appearance in Flash issue 170. But unlike that time, of course, he's on the cover. Yay. I like how he's given the emphasis of being the only one left. Mm -hmm. Last man standing. Yep. Yeah, there's quite a significant moment in this comic which we'll mention when we get to it, but um, I'm I'm quite fond of this cover. It's an absolute belter. Yeah. As really? I keep saying. It's it's really, really iconic. It's really, really straightforward, it's a bright and simple idea. I just love that Jay's given the emphasis and that Wally's giving the emphasis. You know, it's it's just cool. Yep. So then, shall we dive in? Yes. So our opening splash panel, we have a little tiny caption box at the top that says story by John Broom. We have a flash logo. Another caption box tells us the art is by Carmine Infantino and Sid Green. Sid Green who's been doing a lot of good work for us recently. And we have an opening splash panel. We see Kid Flash Wally West and the Flash Barry Allen on top of our Geyser. Looks like a bit of a weird alien planet, or it could just be a desert sort of situation that's going on. And it looks like though they're being zapped by someone who's mostly off-panel, apart from his orange hands. Things out with a weird space ray gun. So, top of all this, there's a caption box that says... Helpless on a titanic geyser as their incredible foe Golden Man appears. The Scarlet Speedster and his young protégé Kit Flash are as vulnerable as ping pong balls dancing on a jet of water in a shooting gallery. But this tingling episode is merely a minor one in a major tale of explosive excitement which also involves Jay Garrick, the Flash of yesteryear.
1: Doomward Flight flight of of the the Flashes!
0: flashes. And there's a bit of dialogue from the two Flashes in this panel. Wally is exclaiming We're running at super speed, but we can't get off this geyser! The water underfoot, moving, bouncing! And Paddy Flash says Golden Man's firing his paralytic rifle at us. Faster, Kid Flash. Faster. Fantastic. So, I wonder when we'll catch up to that in the story. Let's find out. Over the page, and we've already got a page of advertisements, which is fascinating. Palisades Amusement Park and a selection of 217 different stamps for 25 cents. Gosh. I know. And then we arrive at story page number two. And the first caption says... One day in the city... And straight away there's an asterisk to a little caption footnote box that says, Keystone City on Earth 2, in another dimension, a world parallel to Barry, Flash, Allens, and similar in many ways. Interesting. Where Jay Garrick, the original Flash, lives with his wife, the former Joan Williams. And there's a nice panel here, showing Jay and Joan relaxing, looks like probably in the back Garden, relaxing in the shade. It's very chill. Mm. Silhouette, almost. It's very nice. This is Carmine already firing on all cylinders. And Joan is saying, Jay, do you mean to say that your friend Barry Allen on Earth One still hasn't told his wife Iris that he's really the Flash? That's right, Joan. He hasn't. Well, I've been mulling it over. We've got to do something. No doubt Barry thinks he's protecting Iris by not telling her, but he's wrong. Above all, a wife wants to be trusted. You mean like I've trusted you? Exactly. I've known of your secret identity as the Flash of our world, and no harm has come to me. Someone ought to tell Barry that. Someone, Joan, are you hinting? Jay Garrick, for a long time I've wanted to pay a visit to Earth One. You've been there more than once. I think it's high time you took me. Uh, you, you mean now? Well, why not? N- no reason. In fact, this is as good a time as any, and it'll be a pleasure to see my friend Barry again. All right, Joan, hold tight to my hand. I'm going to vibrate us both at super speed. Jay extends his hand to Joan, and then the next panel shows them Whirling and spinning. Joan says, strangest feeling, a numbness. Another split instant and we'll be through the dimensional barrier. So now we arrive at the top of story, page three, and the caption for the first panel says, And when the super speed vibrations cease, We see that Jay and Joan now just appear to be standing on a street corner. Joan is looking around and she says, Phew, where on earth one are we? Central City, where Barry and Iris live. Caption for the next panel. Shortly, at the abode of the young, newly married Barry Allens, we see that Iris has opened the door to Jay and Joan. Jay's in the middle of explaining who they are. And we're friends of Barry from Keystone City, Mrs. Allen. We, uh, just came to town and dropped in to say hello. Iris replies, Oh, what a shame Barry isn't here, Mr. and Mrs. Garrick. You see, he and my nephew Wally, who is visiting us this weekend, went off to a movie tonight, leaving me here to finish some work I have to do. Yeah, Iris gestures and we can see her typewriter in the background. I'm a newspaper woman. Jay replies. So Barry told me. The next panel then, we arrive at the bottom of page three and someone makes an entrance. Iris says. He'll be sorry he missed you. Uh, Oh goodness, here's my nephew. Wally, what happened? Where is Uncle Barry? It's a very sad looking, sullen looking Wally West that replies. He had to go on a police case, Aunt Iris. We never did get to the movie. And Jay can be seen thinking. Wally, this is the youngster Barry told me about. His protege, who in secret is Kid Flash. But there's something the matter. His manner. The expression on his face. Caption of the next panel. As Flash of Earth 2 makes a quick decision. And we see in this panel Jay whispering to Joan. Jay says, Joan, listen. Engage Iris in conversation. I want to talk to Wally privately. All right, but what's the trouble? We'll explain later. Go ahead. The next panel we see at the top of page four is Joan engages Iris in conversation, saying, Iris, will you tell me all about your newspaper work? Of course, Joan. I'll be happy to. And in the background, you see Jay whispering to Wally. Wally, act as if nothing is happening. Walk out with me to the terrace. And then the caption for the next panel for this very momentous occasion says, Moments later, as the visitor reveals who he really is. And we see Wally and Jay out on the terrace. Wally is saying, You're Jay Garrick, the Flash of Earth too. I've always wanted to meet you. Barry's told me so much about you. Jumping jets, am I glad to see you, Mr. Garrick. Call me Jay. Something is wrong, isn't there, Wally? Can I just stop there? Because in this panel, it looks like Barry and Iris live in a high rise apartment, which they never have done. It's always been a house. This is something a bit yeah. different. They must be moving locations mm. quite a bit. It's interesting, isn't it? Because that's obviously up high in the sky looking down on the city. Yeah. Sort of... It's very moody and dramatic, but they don't live there normally. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because even when we did 170 very recently, we, mm-hmm. we, there was the scenes of Barry returning home. and Yeah, that was just a house. Perhaps this is a temporary place they're living. Maybe they're moving to a, a different house entirely and it's a temporary location. Who knows? Hmm. Who knows? Anyway, we should quickly emphasise that this is the first ever meeting of Wally West and Jay Garrick. It certainly is. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Given everything that Mark Wade did with the characters, you know, in, in the 90s mm-hmm. when, when Jay was very much a, a mentor figure for Wally, it's really nice to stick a pin in that it's like when we did last year's GLA JSA crossover and you pointed mm. out this was the first time how Jordan met the Spectre. Yes. There's a nice little resonance here that so this panel will probably of them up on the on the terrace, we'll probably stick this one in the socials, I think, because it's it's a key moment. It's certainly you is. know, it's it's the establishment of a of a relationship that to be honest, if they hadn't gooned it with Flashpoint and everything else would still persist to this day. There's possibly more stories with Jane Wally together than there are with Jane Barry together. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, considering how how long you know Jay was a supporting character in the Flash title, mm-hmm. yeah, post Crisis, mm-hmm. so yeah, mm. blame me. Anyway, so yes, Jay has asked Wally what's wrong, obviously. So in panel three, we get a slightly wonky looking Wally. It yeah. must be said, not anyone's best work, I feel. And he replies to Jay, "There sure is. I'll tell you what happened tonight, Jay. What I couldn't tell Aunt Iris, Barry and I did start to go out to a movie. That part is true, but we didn't get very far because on the way." And the next panel, there was a sort of ripple effect to the borders because we're into Wally's flashback, Wally and the Rates, the next few panels. We ran into a spectacular crime right on Main Street. And we see Wally and Barry on the street from behind. They're looking in front of them. We can see a sign outside the building saying money changed for an exchange. And there's three men in what appear to be green outfits carrying some bags of swag running out of the building. Barry remarks, The Domino gang, looting that money exchange. This must be my lucky evening. I've been after that gang for the past month. Ready for a bit of super speed action, Wally? Let's jet up and go, Uncle Barry. Wally narrates the next panel. Under cover of invisible super velocity, we ejected our uniforms from our rings, which instantly enlarged on contact with the air. The great panel of Wally and Barry doing so. You can see Barry's outfit stretching out, Wally's outfit stretching out. Classic, that never gets old. Nope. And Wally narrates the next panel. And an eye blink later, and we see Flash and Kid Flash running up from behind two members of the Domino gang. One of the Domino gang members exclaims, Flash! The other one exclaims, And could Flash! We turn the page now to page five. These guys, they look very familiar. Are they Do they come back? Are they in, I've got a vague memory of seeing them somewhere. Or No, they're one-off villains for this, but their costumes are very reminiscent of the Flash robe at the top. Of course. The mask designs especially, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the shade of green. That's yeah. fascinating. Mm-hmm. And of course, they're wearing the green tunics. They've, mm. got, they've got kind of Domino masks on, and they all have pictures of dominoes on their chests and actually on their backs as yeah, well. Yeah, but the the pictures on the back and front aren't, aren't too clear. Interesting. I think Domino these were po- possibly bought off the rack at Paul Gamby's tailors. Yes. These costumes, I think, <laughs> yeah. Maybe ones at the top had rejected. They're not stripy enough for them, so that's fine. <laughs> Maybe Gamby had ordered in a surfeit of the green material the Quite top possibly. used, and Weather Wizard didn't need that's anything it. new that week. Nope. So he he no thought. more highlights in Mirror Masters. So <laughs> yeah, we're all, all done. Nope, that's it. Yeah. So we're at the top of page five now. Wally's narration continues. Our foes managed to pull guns, but before they could use them, and we see a great little splat sound effect as Wally observes what the Flash is doing, Wally thinks. With his hands moving at super speed, Flash can squeeze hard metal, compress it as if it were soft rubber. The next panel, Wally's thinking, and I can tear this gun in two, as easy as peeling a banana. And we see Wally just, yeah, more than two, he shreds the gun into pieces with a bit of super speed action. Mm -hmm. Wally's narration for the next panel. The dominoes backed up against a wall. They knew they were in bad trouble. And we see the domino gang all lined up. They've dropped their money and other ill-gotten gains on the ground. They're all squaring up to face off to the two flashes who are zooming in towards them. One of the Domino Guys is saying, Stay against the wall. They won't be able to get behind us. Use your fists. We can knock them out. Wally's narration. Then, amid a flurry of fists, we see one of the Domino Gang with a brap managing to lay a punch on Barry Flash. The Domino Gang member says, Huh, a smack right on the kisser. And as he recoils, Barry thinks, Uh, A lucky punch. He just swung wild and happened to connect. The next panel. Barry says, Don't count me out yet, Domino. With a zunch and a crunch and a crack, he gets stuck back into the Domino gang member. And Barry thinks, Even as he landed, I pulled back at super speed and took the sting out of his blow. But he can't do the same for mine. Wally narrates the next panel. No, the crooks couldn't handle our super speed attack. You see Wally... Well, there's a bit of a helpful, say what you see, Carmine caption panel with a little Carmine hand pointing at what Wally's doing. Column of air breathed out by the Junior Wizard of Wiz, but at ultra velocity, hitting its target with the force of a solid object. Yes, it basically looks like Wally's blowing a gust of air at this member of the Domino Gang who falls backwards. The Junior Wizard of Wiz. I like that. Yes. Wally's narration for the next panel then. Half half of them were down, the other half wobbly, trying to run when it happened. Barry is calling to Wally, at them, don't let them get uh, and then he gets zapped by a burst of green energy which comes down from above. Wally cries, Flash, what is it? What's the matter? Is narration for the next panel? Before I could move, even before I could think, there's a massive ZOW sound effect caption, huge burst of green energy. Wally falls back thinking, that terrible blast, knocking me to the ground, losing consciousness. What's, what's happening to Flash? So, we're back now on the terrace. This is actually another very interesting panel because we can see that they are very high up because we can see cars in the street down below them. Wally and Jay on the terrace at Bard and Iris' place. And Wally is saying, When I came to, the crooks were gone. And so was Flash. I saw him disappear, vanish into nothingness, right in front of my eyes. There's been no sign of him since. Incredible. But you're right not to give any hint of this to Iris. No pointing and alarming her unnecessarily. Listen, Wally. After Joan and I leave... Give your Aunt Iris some excuse, then meet me at the drugstore at the end of this street. I'll be there, Caption for the next panel. Sure enough, a quarter hour afterward. Yep, you see Jay and Joan standing in the street. It's another very nicely rendered moody panel where the, the light from inside the, the drugstore is casting mm-hmm. out onto the pavement. It's very striking. Jay and Joan are standing waiting for Wally, who is approaching. Jay says, I've told Joan, Wally, I have no secrets from her. Joan says, here's where I bow out leave the flash finding to you two top of page seven now caption for the first panel says later with joan left at a hotel two crimson thunderbolts cleave the night darkened city yes this is very what i always think of sort of classic carmine when yeah you can see the cityscape silhouetted in the background mm-hmm. It's a crescent moon not a full moon because murphy's not on this gig <laughs> and jay and wally in costume speeding along jay is saying we haven't the least clue kid flash But it's possible that Barry's disappearance is linked to that Domino gang. We've got to find them. Right, Flash, Wally thinks. Seems odd to call Jay that, but after all, he is Flash too. Caption of the next panel. Soon. A nice aerial shot of the two Flashes separately zigzagging, crisscrossing all over the city. Wally is thinking. Jay, Flash and I have split up in order to cover every inch of the city between us. We're crisscrossing back and forth. Ah, here he comes. His path and mine are about to cross. Suddenly, without warning... Yeah, there's another massive burst of green and yellow energy with a zow at the heart of it. Jay Flash recoils, falling backwards, his hat's coming off, and he thinks... Ugh! Explosion! And and Kid Flash disappearing! Caption for the next panel. As the Scarlet Speedster of Earth 2 fights off a wave of unconsciousness... Yeah, there's almost the remnants of a little green cloud dissipating in front of him. Jay's rubbing the back of his head, thinking... "Kit Flash. Vanished. Gone. Just the way Flash went. Where? What happened to, to them? I mean, that's almost basically had the cover. <laughs> yeah. You know, happened uh-huh. already. That's that's amazing. I do like this cover. You know, I'd love to see it homaged with maybe Hal Jordan, Jon Stewart and Alan Scott. Mm-hmm. I think that would be nice. If I could draw, I would do something. similar. So yes, as Jay struggles to recover and figure out what's going on, we have a change of scenery, and the caption for our next panel says, At this moment, on a very distant world in the far-off galaxy known as Andromeda. (laughs) It's quite a leap, isn't it? Now, this is where we meet the big bad for this issue. We see Wally Flash, Wally Kid Flash, you should say, stretched out on a sort of gurney, and there's some weird disc-like platforms all around, but standing over Wally, Quite a tall, large man, green curly hair combed back. He's wearing a sort of deep cut V-necked, big billowy, blousy sleeved sort of tunic that looks so like it's got the same sort of chainmail that you get on the submariner's trunks or mm-hmm. Captain America's shirt. He's wearing blue boots, he has green hair, he has a red little gem on his forehead and he has red eyes. He reminds me of Adam Warlock. I was gonna say exactly the same thing. You know, wh- which came first? This is July sixty seven. Adam Warlock first appeared in the September 1967 dated issue of Fantastic Four, issue 66, but it actually came out on June the 8th, 1967. Wow. So they're pretty much the same time. That's insane. Mm -hmm. That's another X-Men Doom Patrol situation, almost (laughs) in a way. Yes. At least, you know, Adam didn't have too much of a deep V-neck going on. (laughs) This guy does look very disco, it must be said. He looks very much like some of the characters that Carmine would come up with for the Adventure comic I for Hero Run. Yes. That TV that he did later on in the mm-hmm. late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. which I adore. And the current plan, listeners, is when we reach the end of Christ Infinite Arts so we will do our Dial for Hero podcast, if we can still stand the sight of each other by that <laughs> point, and if you make it that far. So this golden man is standing looking down at Wally, and he's saying, You are asleep, Kid Flash, but I can still communicate with you. You are suffering the after-effects of your journey here to Vorvan, but even so, by telepathy, I can enter your mind. See a little burst of radiant pink energy around his forehead, beaming down and connecting with Wally. Top of page eight now, we get an exterior shot of an interesting sort of alien landscape with a purple sky, yellow desert sands, pink mountains. There's clouds of yellow smoke and dust coming up at the top of the mountains. They make be the volcanic. We also see the exterior of a sort of dome, what looks like a an alien space city inside. It looks a bit like the alien space city that the MF Enterprises Captain Marvel first came from. It does. Yes. Interesting. Mm. And we can hear Golden Man's voice from inside this stone City. And he's saying, When you awaken, you must be in full possession of all your faculties. Therefore, it is necessary for you to understand why and how you were brought here. To begin with, and we've got a shift here. He narrates the next panel. Half of his face in the side of the, the illustration. He continues, I am called Golden Man, from the colour of my skin. In all of Vorvan, there is none other like me the rest of this panel shows the golden man standing out in the, the desert rocky area. And he's watching a caveman fellow. And golden man is thinking to himself. Alone. In the midst of these, my fellow creatures of this planet, I am always alone. They are the primitive beginnings of our race. But I, I am a mutant. Millions of years ahead of them in the evolutionary cycle. There's a little asterisk at the word mutant. We get a little note at the bottom which says. See X-Men comics. <laughs> it actually says, an individual born ahead of his time. A rare accident of nature. The next panel has a slightly rippled effect because it's a flashback and we see caveman type figure further out into the, the desert. We can see the dome in the background and Golden Man's thoughts coming from the dome. And he's thinking, My mental capacity is gigantic. With it alone I built Vorvan City. But only I live in it. The others all live in caves, which they prefer, and which suits them better. And we're back with the golden man standing over Wally as he continues. But despite my giant intellect, my life became irksome, boring. Hunting had always been my passion, but even that became tiresome because no prey in Vorvan could escape me. In desperation, I turned to other worlds for worthy game. And that is where you come in, Kid Flash. You were brought here, like your mentor Flash, by my teleportation device which acts instantly over any distance. Second panel of this row panels at the bottom of page 8. We can see that Barry Flash is lying there too on another gurney. Golden Man continues. You two were singled out because of all the beings and all the worlds I examined. You two promised to afford me a rare thrill. To hunt a quarry equipped with extraordinary speed. He gets a close up at the end of page 8 now. Your mentor Flash is also asleep. When you both awaken, you will find yourself outside Voran City, teleported by my device. You will be in full possession of all your powers. And at that moment, the hunt will begin. Feels a bit Star Trek-y, doesn't it? Yeah, we'll on to that later on. Mm. So now, over the page to page 9, Goldman is still standing with his hands on his hips, and he's declaring, The rules we will follow are simple. If you two can elude me for four tea-cans. That's T-I-K-A-N-S and there's another little asterisk and another little caption box at the bottom which says A tea can is an earth hour. If you two can elude me for four tea cans, you'll be returned safely to your planet. If you fail, you will be destroyed. And now, good luck earthlings, you'll need it. And little beams of pink energy burst from Golden Man's gem on his forehead and strike Wally and Barry. There is a click in the brains of the two Flashes, and then... Yep, we're outside the city. We can see the Dome City in the background. Barry and Wally Flashes are waking up. Barry says, Kid Flash, are you alright? Yes. I heard all the gold man communicated to us, Flash. He said he brought us here for thrills. I wonder if that's the real reason. They've started running off in the next panel. What are we going to do, Flash? I can't see why we have to play his deadly game. We have to. It may be your only way to get back to Earth. Come on! All we have to do is elude Golden Man for four hours. We'll start by putting miles of distance between us and Vorvan City at super speed. See them running along the alien landscape, little clouds of steam and smoke bursting out of the ground. Wally says, Seems too easy to get away with it. Caption name for the next panel says, Swift as moonbeams, the two speedsters race across the awesome, forbidding terrain of Vorvan. And we see Flash and Kid Flash running across this alien landscape, bit of volcanic action in the foreground, clouds and dust and stuff all around them. Flash is saying, This must be what our Earth was like millions of years ago, while mountains were rising. Wally says, The ground itself is strange, shaky underfoot. Suddenly, a geyser of water burst up out of the ground, beating both Flash and Kid Flash up into the air. Barry says, Trouble. And we're caught up in it, says Wally. We arrive at the top of page 10, the caption says, a huge force bursting out under the super speedy pair at fantastic velocity raises them high in the air. Yep, yeah, but more or less at the splash panel now. Flash is saying, We've been shot upward on top of a great geyser. The water, bubbling, dancing underfoot, we can't make any headway. We're running in place, even at super speed. We've got to get back to the ground. We make a perfect target up here, like in a shooting gallery. And this panel two of page ten. We can see in the distance. Well, Wally tells us. Flash! An aircraft heading this way! And then we're inside the aircraft and we see that it's being flown by Golden Man, who's pointing a gun at the two flashes. Golden Man says, Ha! Cut on my geyser! This hunt is practically over! You didn't last long. In a moment you'll be within range of my paralysis rifle! The flash says, It's Golden Man! Pour it on, Kid Flash! If I break downward, it's our only chance! Caption for the next panel, As Flash's inspired idea proves its worth in the nick of time. Yep, see, Flash and Kid Flash have powered down into the geyser. The spacecraft aircraft thing has zoomed past, and Flash is saying, He can't get a clear shot at us now on account of the rushing water. As soon as we hit ground level, Kid Flash, take off! Tremendous. Over the page now to page 11, we get a nice aerial shot of the two Flashes zigzagging across the alien landscape with Golden Man's airship flying above them. The Flash is saying, We're moving so fast now, he can't see us, much less shoot at us. And from inside the spaceship, Golden Man says, My compliments. You two are getting away this time, but it's a long way to the end of the deadline. You haven't won yet. Caption for the next panel. As red streaks spurt across Vorvan. Yep, another shot from above the two flashes zooming across the surface of Vorvan. Wally is saying, At this speed, we're practically invisible. We'll keep going round and around this planet and won't slow down until the four hours are up. This ought to work, and yet... Caption for the next panel. Instantly, the heavens open up. Yep, Barry's dialogue tells us what was happening. Rain pouring down. It's a deluge. Never saw or felt rain like this before. Says Wally as they speed through the rain. It's a very nice panel. Very nice. Some weird stuff starts happening in the next panel. Those reach the bottom page 11. The Flash says, It's forming crystals as it hits us. Yeah, it looks like they're being surrounded by green, well, green bubbles it looks like, really, doesn't it? Yeah. All this stuff forming around them. The Kid Flash says, Crystals growing fast all over us. Flash says in the next panel, They're sticking to us like glue. Can't shake them off. Weighing us down. Can't keep up our speed. Top of page 12 now, caption of the first panel says Like a great bird of prey, a now familiar air vehicle zooms at the harassed Flashes. Yes, as Golden Man's ship bears down on them, he cries My crystal rain has slowed you down, Earthlings! Now my paralysis rifle will stop you completely! Then from inside his burst of green crystals, the Flash says Quick Kid Flash, follow my lead! Head for that dense thicket, fast as you can. Yes, yeah, because behind them we can see a bit of vegetable growth. It looks like tall, thick grass. The caption name for the next panel. As the desperate duo crashes into the densely packed thorny bushes. Yeah, we see Flash and Kid Flash fighting their way through the foliage. Flash is saying, As I figured, the sharp twigs of these bushes are tearing off the crystals, ripping them loose. We can see them all being dislodged, and the Flash and Kid Flash are much clearer than they were a minute ago. Wally says, Quick thinking, Flash. We can move again! We see the two flashes zooming off again, and as they go, the flash is thinking, With the crystals off us, Kid Flash and I are moving so fast that we're outracing the paralysing radiation from Golden Man's rifle. Yeah, because Golden Man's spaceship is in the same panel, he's attempting to zap them with his paralysis rifle, a burst of golden energy, and Golden Man is thinking, They're escaping! Their speed is fantastic! I don't mind that a bit! The caption then for the next panel. In an instant, Flash and his protégé are hundreds of miles away. It's another panel of them zooming across the alien landscape The Flash is saying, We'll have to be on our guard every moment, remaining in the hunt, Kid Flash. Golden Man is tricky. He'll stop at nothing. He seems to have control over things on this planet. He's using all his powers to trap us. Over the page, top of page 13. Meanwhile, Golden Man has returned to his laboratory headquarters. You see, Golden Man operating some, some equipment. He's back to us. It's nice to see there's a massive big deep V on the back of his outfit. Yeah. The, the big sort of shoulder pads and the... Actually, the way it's drawn there, it looks so like the scales on his legs as well. So maybe he's wearing leggings too. I don't know. Anyway. This has been the Golden Man Fashion Podcast. We'll see you next time. Yes. As he operates the machinery, Golden Man is thinking, The two flashes don't realise it, but this hunt I'm carrying out is just a ruse. Merely my way of getting them to run at their greatest velocity and with their highest vibration rates. They know nothing about this machine I've built to capture and store their super speed energy waves. When the voltage of that energy reaches the proper level, this machine will carry out my gigantic scheme. It's designed when I throw this lever to instantly catapult the primitive people of Vorvan through a million years of evolution, all the way in one leap to my level. We're outside the city for this panel. You can see a couple of the, the cavemen type Vorvan people sitting at a fire. Goldman's thoughts continue. At a stroke. Vorvan will become a planet like Earth, only much more advanced. And I will become the leader of a super-civilised world, instead of this rude, crude one. And as a caption knows, we return back inside the city. As the incredible Golden Man tests his machine's power output. We can see a needle on a dial wavering, Golden Man thinks. Not yet. I need more super-speed energy, much more. To obtain it, I must impel my quarry to even greater efforts. But that won't be hard. (laughs) <laughs> Not hard at all. Caption name for the final panel on page 13. And soon after, in the path of the speeding Joe, suddenly... We get some terrific "see What You See dialogue from Kid Flash and The Flash here. As they're zooming along, it's a great rendering by Carmine, actually. I love that. It's the gorgeous. Images, yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Kid Flash is saying, Ah! Oh, the crowd's melting under us! It's turned into a kind of quicksand! Pulling us down! Flash says, Quick, Kid Flash! Open up, give it all you've got. And we have a tiny caption that says, Continued on fifth page following. Opposite page is an advertisement for a classic Lois Lane 80 page giant. Lois is the Mad Woman of Metropolis. The ghost of Lois Lane. Lois Lane, convict. Um, I think I owned that one at one point. Over the page there's another advertisement for Matt Mason. I think we've met him before already. There's an advert for Novelty Parade. Then we return to the story with page 14. And the caption for the first panel says, But... The strange, tenacious bog clings with terrible strength to its prey. Yeah, is this the first appearance of quicksand in the the Off Two podcast? I think it is. I, oh no, wait, hang on. We had the Vandal Savage story. Of course. Yes, one three seven. Was, that wasn't quite quicksand. That was just like sinking into it's, the ground. Yeah, with similar density, sort of a similar, similar sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Peter and I as children of the 70s, we buy into that cliche of expecting quicksand to be everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Just don't go into the woods, there'll be quicksand. Yep, don't go down onto the beach, you know, don't mm-hmm. try and rob that galleon, there'll be quicksand. Yep, it's quite nice to have some quicksand rocking up in a podcast. <laughs> Barry's up to his, what's well, it's over his waist. Wally seems to be a little further down indeed. Wally is saying, despite all our efforts, a tremendous force is sucking us down. We're close to solid ground, but as we advance toward it, we go deeper and deeper. I'm going under. Never mind me, Flash! Save yourself! Barry says. Hang on, Kid Flash. Only a couple of yards more. He thinks. Got to help him. Caption for the next panel. With an outpouring of enormous effort, Flash reaches his younger colleague. Yep. Flash has grabbed Wally by the shoulders and is managing to pull him up out of the bog. Which is good because he was almost under. Flash is thinking. He's passed out. Feels like a dead weight in my hands. And there's an uh point here. The caption for the next panel. At that moment... Yep, looks though like Goldman is arriving again in his airship. We can see Flash struggling to remove Wally. Goldman is thinking, Beautiful! I've got them in a spot where they're giving off super speed vibrations of the highest frequency. I'll let them struggle for a moment. No need to threaten them with my rifle. Final panel of page 14. Barry has managed to get Wally at the quicksand and is hurling him away. Barry thinks, Got him to hard ground. He's safe, but the recoil from my efforts pushing me under. No, we arrive at the top of page 15. Thinking only of his protégé, the gallant man of speed, endangered his own life. Oh my goodness, this is dark. We see that like, basically Barry has gone under. We just see his hand poking out from the quicksand. We can see Wally in the background lying on the rocks. Golden Man zooming over. thinking, Great Andromeda! Flash has sunk beneath the surface. I didn't want this to happen. Not before I have a sufficient accumulation of super speed radiation. I must rescue him. He's finding off some beams of energy from his ship in the next panel and he thinks, Can't locate him. I sent down a score of energy beams probed in all directions. He must have been gone too deep beyond my range of power. Flash is gone. Finished. Next panel, you can see that Goldman has picked Wally up, draped him over the back of his airship and flying off and he's thinking, Flash performed a heroic fight, saving his protégé. Almost. He won my sympathy. But I've no time for such thoughts. I'll take Kid Flash back to Vorvan City. I may still need him for extra power. A slow dissolve then, in a caption that says, Later? Golden Man is assessing his machinery, and he's thinking, Power level not yet high enough. What am I to do now? Kid Flash by himself can't possibly give me the necessary volume of energy. I need at least two super speed energy sources. Wait a moment. I just recalled something. He looks very thoughtful. In the next panel, stroking his chin, continues to think. At the time I plucked Kid Flash from Earth, I spied through my super telescope another figure moving there at ultra-velocity. It looked like another Flash, though it was my belief there was only one adult Flash on Earth. In any case, whoever he is, this second Flash is about to follow in the cosmic footsteps of his two predecessors. I need him here on Vorvan to carry out the super evolution of my planet. And we see Golden Man grabbing hold of a handle, looking into something that looks like a sight. He's obviously got his eyes on Jay Garrick, hasn't he? Because Mm -hmm. we arrive at the top of page 16 and the caption of the first panel says, Meanwhile, as the Scarlet Spitzer of Earth 2 seeks his missing friends. Another gorgeously rendered panel of Jay speeding about. He's a complete blur. There's just the hints of the yellows and the reds and the blues, the reds of his boots, the silver of his helmet. Stunning. And he's speeding through another gorgeously rendered carmine city. And Jay is thinking, No clue, or trace of their whereabouts, or of the mysterious force that seized them. Maybe if I slow down a bit, make it easy for that force to find me, it'll seize me too. Whatever the danger, I must risk it. And sure enough, in the caption for the final panel of this chapter says, Then with blinding, overpowering impact. And as a massive crong sound effect, burst of green energy, and Yellow Energy, as J-Flash gets struck, and he's thinking, Earth disappearing around me. A force like a thousand lightning bolts picking me up. This is it. First Flash, then Kid Flash, now me. Fantastic. Tiny caption says, story continues on the second page following. This page is rounded out with an ice Caps Hobby Hints cartoon, which is cool. Over the page, we pass the letters page for this issue. Oh, they're talking about the see-nothing spells of Abracadabra. Fancy that. Deja vu. Top of page 17, the caption for the first panel says On Vorvan, almost simultaneously Jay Garrick has arrived Golden Man thinks Huh, this Flash endured the teleportation without losing consciousness Yeah, it looks like Jay's standing in front of him instead of lying down like Wally and Barry did Jay's thinking This must be the hidden foe behind the disappearance of Flash and Kid Flash The next panel we see Golden Man making a move for his paralysis rifle And he's thinking I must bring him under control His arriving here, wide away, came as a surprise. Jay starts to vibrate, thinking, Seizing up that weapon, only he's much too slow. Caption for the next panel. But as the original Sultan of Speed whips forward, One of the round discs that we saw earlier on, sort of scattered around the ground, Jay's standing on it and it rises into the air, Jay thinking, Uh, The floor tile, under me, suddenly spinning, shooting me in the air. Golden Man delightedly says, Yes! My centrifugal force! This room is alive with devices to protect me, Flash! In midair, the embattled speedster vibrates himself to one side, barely in time! There's a bit of see what you see here. There's a worse sort of sound effect as Golden Man zaps the disc that Jay was on, but Jay's already off it, bouncing down to the floor, and he thinks Managed to avoid his energy blast at me, dropping back now toward the floor, and toward him. In the next panel, Jay's leaping up into the air at speed towards Golden Man, and he's thinking, I'll leap over the tile that spun me a moment ago. This time, nothing will keep me from reaching him. Top of page 18, Caption for the first panel. But as Jay Flash catapults himself forward abruptly... Yep, that plan gets stimmyed as a bit of say-what-you-see thought-bubble action from Jay as the disc collides with him. That tile shot upward from the floor. His hat's been dislodged and everything. Golden Man exclaims... Ha ha! My devices are mind-triggered, Flash, and I can think as fast as you can move. Gosh. Caption for the next panel: slow dissolve. And when the master of Vorvan's latest victim comes to his senses, you see that Jay's now with Wally. There's a sort of device hanging down from the ceiling above them that appears to be radiating out a kind of like maybe a force field or some suppression energy above them. Jay's on his knees, waking up. Wally's standing over him. Jay says, "Kid Flash, you all right? What? Where's Barry?" I'll tell you everything I can, Jay. Ann's about to slow dissolve as Wally obviously brought Jay up to speed, if you pardon the pun. <laughs> and Wally concludes by saying, And after that nightmarish hunt, I learned through thoughts communicated to me by Golden Man that Barry Flash perished in the quicksand after saving me. Barry, I can't believe it. We've got to get out of here. Caption for the next panel. As all vibratory efforts fail to free the entrapped duo... See the Jay's vibrating inside his little prison. Wally says, No use. Can't break through this strange radiation. Golden Man's there, handing his hips as usual, and he observes, Of course you can't. My science is far advanced over yours by at least half a million years. But I must admit, I have never been able to recreate your super speed vibrations. Too bad we can't carry on the hunt. I rather enjoyed that. But I have no more time to waste. He's crossed to some equipment. There's the next panel. We still see Wally and J. Trap behind him Goodman continues i am introducing an artificial cold of sub absolute zero into your radiation cell the only way you will be able to stay alive is vibrating yourselves to your utmost at super speed hurry you better begin now top of page 19 there's a burst of yellow lightning almost like flames going over the radiation prison Wally and Jay both now moving at great speed, both vibrating on the spot, it looks like. Golden Man says, That's it, Earthlings. Into your super speed. Dance against death. The needle is climbing up. Soon my machine will be ready to transform the creatures of Vorvan. Uh Uh-oh. caption of the next panel. As the deadly cold springs through the radiation cell. Yep, cracking shot of Jay and Wally vibrating at super speed. Jay's thinking, (sighs) We may be aiding Golden Man, but we can't help ourselves. And Wally thinks, Ugh. It's cold, increasing in intensity. We've got to vibrate faster and faster to combat it, Jay says out loud in the next panel. At this rate, we won't last long, Kid Flash. Our own vibrations carried to such an extreme will kill us. Yet, we can't stop. I'm weakening, Jay Flash. Can't keep it up. Caption in for the next panel. But in the grim crisis, help is on the way to the embattled pair in the person of none other than Barry Flash. Yeah, we're outside the dome and to be honest, the way this has been coloured... It's a bit of an error, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. This looks like it's Jay that's speeding towards the dome to the rescue. It must just be the you know the effects of the weird atmosphere on the alien planet. I suppose, let's isn't? just say it is. I mean, there's quite yes. a lot of red and yellow. There's a little bit of blue. <laughs> I mean, the white bit at the top there maybe looks like it could be Jay's helmet, but well, let's just... We'll certainly post this panel on the yeah. socials yeah. Too, that you see what we're talking about. Yeah. Anyway, as he approaches the dome, Barry Flash is thinking... Without his knowing it, the telepathic thoughts of Golden Man coming to me at a distance have informed me of the desperate plight of Kid Flash and Jay Flash. Well, that was handy. caption for the next panel says... And... Micro moments later... Yep, Barry Flash vibrates presumably through the wall of the dome into the city. Goldman cries, Great Andromeda! The other Flash! But, but you're dead! And you're dead wrong, golden man! Caption for the next panel... At top speed, the human whirlwind destroys half of his foe's laboratory in a twinkling. At this panel we can see Jay vibrating away under the radiation present, and Barry just sort of zooming past. He's He's got the bits sort of wiring in his hand. As he does so, Barry is thinking... I don't know which of these switches controls the radiation cell holding Kit Flash and Jay Flash. So just rip apart all of them until I hit the right one. From inside the radiation prison cell, Jay cries Barry Top of page twenty now. And Wally and Jay have been released. Barry's obviously pulled the right equipment. Fantastic. Wally says, He freed us. Jay says, How great to see you alive, Barry! We believed. Barry cuts them off though and says, I'm alive alright Jay, but if we're all going to stay that way, the three of us have to tarnish Golden Man's hide. And the three flashes zoom towards Golden Man, who has his hand on a lever and thinks, Three-way flash attack against me. I'll have to exert every erg of my telekinetic power. Another asterisk and another caption tells us, Editor's note. The control of matter directly <laughs> by mind is known as telekinesis. If you'd read an X-Men comic, you'd have known this. This is not had John Broome been reading the X-Men for Possibly. ideas? I Possibly. don't know, I wonder. Goldman has activated his equipment and three flashes are being zapped by a burst of orange and yellow energy. Flash is thinking, His mental force counteracting our super speed motion. Jay Flash is thinking, blowing us backwards. And Wally thinks as he recoils too. As if by a giant wind! I love that. It's almost like the thoughts passing between them. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. are they, were they all thinking the same thing? That's that's, that's, that's like it. That's yeah. ace, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. That's really nice. Okay, so down to the bottom of page twenty. Then the flashes appear to have regrouped. Jay says his mind power acts only at short distance. We're out of its range now. Wally says, "But how do we defeat him if we can't reach him?" Barry concludes, "I have an idea." Listen, caption for the next panel. Then. Right, now, there's a lot going on here. In the bottom left hand of this final panel of page 20, we can see that Jay and Wally are vibrating. Barry is breaking away from them and zooming towards Golden Man. And as he does this, Barry is thinking... By vibrating at the same frequency Jay Flash and Kit Flash are, boosting my super speed power, their vibrations are reaching me, adding to my velocity as I go at Golden Man. Terrific. Isn't that... that oh, oh, are we having a Logopolis moment here? Yeah. That's quite like Wally West's ability that he has. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that whole being able to steal someone's, borrow someone's speed and... Yep, and transfer it. Uh Yeah, interesting. Which obviously doesn't come into play until he's mastered the speed force much later on, decades from now. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool, that was good. We haven't had a live, spontaneous Legopolis moment for a long time. No. Top of page 21 then now, and the caption for the first panel says... As the improvised maneuver succeeds brilliantly. Yeah, it was a great shot of a very distorted-looking flash. Carmine is killing it this month. It must be said, you know, him and Sid are obviously a great combination. Sid Green is working wonders across everything that we've been doing recently. Very distorted-looking flash approaching Golden Man. Golden Man is thinking, eh? He's breaking through my telekinetic shield. His speed is so fantastic, my mind can't affect him. The next panel, Barry is caught up to Goldman and is pummeling Goldman's face with his fists. Goldman is thinking, Striking me! Assaulting me with physical force! Raining a thousand blows in the space of an instant! Caption then for the next panel Toppled by the attack, the Vorvan man of the future is still indomitable. Goldman is down on his knees and he's thinking, I still can win! evolutionary machine is undamaged by activating it I'll create a host of new golden men like myself to combat the flashes in overwhelming numbers they'll come to my aid captioning for the next panel then in response to a mental command from golden man it's a massive click and we can see radiation waves of energy coming from golden man towards the machinery and golden man thinks the only question is is my machine ready no time to test it I must take the chance So yes, click as he activates the machine. (gasps) As an incredible change takes place, but not in the people of Vorvan. Golden Man thinks, My people must all become like me. They, But a change is coming over him. He's basically... Well, Barry will tell us in a second. Golden Man continues to think, Something happening to me. Barry tells us, Look, the change coming over him. It's It's as if he's travelling backward in time. A million years before our eyes. Yep, because Golden Man has basically devolved into one of the mutant caveman types that we saw outside earlier on. Oh no, it's completely backfired on him. Top of page 22 then. As the change is completed and the machine stops. Yeah, very sad we can see that he's completely devolved. Still wearing the remnants of his, his fancy costume. He starts moving away. J Flash says, He's become just like the other primitives here. Barry says, Incredible. His mental force is gone. I can feel it. And Wally says, He's no menace to us now. We're outside the city for this next panel. We can see the former golden man making his way out into the landscape. J Flash says, He was out of place here, far ahead of the planet's evolution. And the other Flash replies, Now Vorvan can progress naturally towards civilization in eons of time. He tried to rush things, but his futuristic science boomeranged on himself. Gosh, it's quite poignant actually. Captioning for the next panel. Later, before attempting their return to Earth, the three speedsters match notes and fill in gaps for each other. flash is saying to Jane Wally. And under the quicksand, since I found super speed couldn't resist the downward pull, I decided to change my tactics and try to vibrate downward instead. This had a quick effect. In no time at all, I'd vibrated through the entire planet and come out on the other side. You know the rest. We're outside the city again. For panel four. It's our final shot of the former Golden Man as he walks off into the landscape and from inside the dome Wally's voice says You sure had a scare Flash! We were afraid you were really done for! Jay says I gave Golden Man a scare by landing here conscious. I figured out what happened. You know as Flash I always maintain an inner vibration which causes my facial features to blur a little and that's why I don't have to wear a mask. When I'm the Flash no one can recognise me as Jay Garrick. And it was that vibration which made me immune to the shock of teleportation. Captioning for the final panel on page 22. Finally, the last remaining problem is tackled. Yeah, we see all three flashes working at super speed. And Jay says, We're finished. And he thinks, Working at super speed, we've managed to reverse the circuits on Golden Man's teleportation device. When it's turned on, it should return us to Earth. And we arrive then, top of page 23. Caption for the first panel says, and sure enough, only split moments after the machine has been activated. And we see all three Flashes and Wally says, Central City! Flash! We made it! Jay says, I bet the girls will be glad to see us. Buddy says, Yes, but before we change to our civilian identities, Jay, I have an idea. Bit of a slow dissolve then. Caption for the next panel. A day later, after the Flash trio has bandied together to capture the rampaging domino gang, a farewell. Yes, we see Jay and Joan smiling away at a beaming Iris, Barry and Wally. And Jay says, Goodbye, Barry and Iris. Goodbye, Wally. And he thinks, Joan spoke to Barry privately and he has promised to reveal his secret identity to Iris for their anniversary, which comes up next month. And there's a little star which says, And next issue, which we will indeed be covering on this very podcast. So stay tuned, folks. Indeed. Exciting. And so, this story concludes. Final panel. Heading homeward to is young Wally West. And we see Wally on a train, wearing his yellow bow tie. Bow ties are cool. And Wally is saying, here's Blue Valley. And he's thinking, phew, what would the kids in school say if I told them about the adventure I've just had with my friends, the two Flashes? One thing is sure, I won't ever forget our encounter with Golden Man. The The end. end. Well then. So what do you think of that one? I really liked it actually. The artwork's really interesting. This is late later Carmine. Where he's mm. heading into that later style uh, mm. that he has, and some of the panels are amazing. Some of them are absolutely atrocious. Mm. It's it looks quite rushed. I know he was doing an awful lot this time. He was doing this. He was doing Batman. He was doing covers. Yeah, because we obviously we had that Justice League cover, the other episodes. Yeah, the artwork's very variable, but mm. there is some great standout moments in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other bits, as you said, that there's a close-up of Wally that looks. He looks like a monster, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not very good at all. Some pictures are just like totally in shadow. It's really interesting, but uh, definitely you can see his artwork change. Which yes, is, which is fascinating and evolve. And evolve it's fascinating. Well, yeah, evolution's is the word for it, isn't mm-hmm. it? I mean, yeah. um, I wonder how much Sid Green was contributing to either maybe minimizing the mm-hmm. the effect. You know, how much we were seeing of the actual the change or whatever. Or maybe he had to do a bit more finishing than yeah than usual. I mean, there so was that's... you're right. I mean, there's some parallels in there which I think rank up with some of his the best of his early showcase Barry stories. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some beautiful, you know, cityscapes and stuff, some really, yeah. really moody stuff. Well, you know, the Wally panel that we found contentious is almost touched the Gil Canes about it. Yes, uh-huh. The, you the, know. Almost up-the-nose yeah. up um, shots, yes. That famous complaint about Gil Kane. So, yeah, I mean, art was uneven, but, you know, as I say, the, I thought the story was good. I mean, it would have been nice if Jay had been in it a little bit more, mm-hmm. if maybe it had been Jay and Wally that spent the time running through the, through the landscape. Yeah. Because, you know, it has felt like... Jay hasn't turned up in the the last couple of jla crossovers. Mm-hmm. He was obviously in issue 170 with Dr. Frey and Dr. McNider. First time we'd seen him in The Flash since Flash 151. It's just, obviously this is the issue where Jay gets to meet Wally and the three Flashes team up, which is good, but it just would have been nice to maybe have Jay in a little bit more. Yeah. But I did like it how... Ultimately, you know, act two sort of finish with Jay being brought there, and you yeah. know, it definitely felt all right. Things are cooking up, yeah, you know, heating up now. Yeah, know, the plot's fantastic. It's really good. yes, it's very very well structured. Really, a really really satisfying read. I mean, I felt you know, I think I said some aspects of the last JLA jc team up we did I felt were a bit kind of unremarkable, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed this one. Proper good and solid. And as I say, I felt like the Golden Man's whole presence and. Motivation and way of going around things just felt really Star trek Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Right. If Goldman had been open with the Flashies at the beginning... They might have helped him. Yeah, exactly. Yes. They might have said, well, of course, we'll help. We'll help advance your civilization. Mm. That's that's a, you know an altruistic thing to do. Let's do this and help. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying, no, we shall play the most dangerous game, which well, yeah. is such a cliche as in itself. Uh-huh. But That's a really good point because if he says, you know, Flash, I need your help. I'm trying to do mm. this. They would have gone, okay. We could talk about the Prime Directive, I suppose. Here, if we're comparing to Star Trek, would they have wanted to interfere in this other well, civilization to that extent, or you know, well, obviously they didn't after he'd been an enemy of theirs. Mm. But it might be different if he'd approached them in an entirely different way. Yeah, a couple of things I want to mention about Goldman as well is I find it fascinating that he's the one who is the mutant. He's advanced mm. and. Just himself, he's managed not only to build an entire city from nothing, obviously, you know, has to, like, mine, create equipment, mm. create tools in which to build things, understand how everything works, and, oh, okay, he might have some telekinetic abilities as well, but there's still the whole understanding of construction, understanding, you know, the mathematics of it all, understanding yeah. engineering, yeah. there's all that, uh, and then he builds the entire city just for himself. Uh-huh. I find that fascinating, and then... After all that, he designs himself a natty uniform <laughs> you know, that's a serious point i mean he's obviously he's designed all of that equipment mm-hmm. and worked out that you know by harnessing super speed, so yeah. he almost must have been at this for a while, experimenting maybe with other yeah. ways of doing it and trying to figure out you know I, f- I do feel sorry for him because he was. Mm-hmm. you know he wasn't like talking about then going on an alien r- an invasion rampage type thing he sure. really just wanted to kind of he was lonely yeah he wanted to try and improve things for the mm-hmm. for himself obviously but for his civilization it's quite Point. maybe maybe we'll have to write a sequel where maybe the effect of the machine wears off on him and he tries again and yeah excess and impulse go along and help him with hilarious consequences hmm there is a kind of parallel with him in Gorilla Grodd as well because Gorilla Grodd's another character that has been evolved to a human form mm-hmm. and devolved back to Gorilla on right. occasion. He's yeah. also swapped bodies and stuff. Grodd's history is hilarious and wonderful <laughs> and I love every appearance of his. There's a lot of weird stuff in there, but evolution forms a major part of it, which is interesting considering he thinks he's so evolved anyway. Yeah. But he actually evolves into a human later on. Right. And then devolves back to an ape. It's it's great. Mm. But yeah, it's fascinating. One of the things we didn't talk about really as well in the story was the the fashion choices of the characters. Oh, do you mean Barry and Jay and everyone? Yeah. Very contemporary. Yeah. When, first of all, when Jay and Joan come over to (coughs) Earth One, which sidebar, that's fantastic. Let's go on a holiday. Let's, let's go on a vacation. I'll take you to Earth One. That's great. You, come on, you've always gone to Earth One. You've been talking about Earth One. Please yeah. take me to Earth One. Uh, yes, okay. I like the way that Jay told Iris they're from Keystone City. Iris is not daft. Iris would have, must have gone, where? Yeah. Well, that's, that's another thing. They turn up. Iris has been married to Barry for just nearly a year now. Mm. Uh, And obviously they've been seeing each other for a long time. She obviously knows he's a massive comic fan. She's probably seen comics lying around. Well, Jay has been on Earth 1 and teamed up with the Flash before when they tackled Captain Cold and the Trickster. Yeah. Obviously she'll have seen pictures of that Flash. She knows that that Flash exists. Yeah, because it was that whole time that Jay was reported in the newspaper as mm -hmm. being there and assisting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you've got that. And he turns up at the door with Joan, saying he's friends from Keystone City. Now, I think Iris probably twigged that that's who this is. Because yeah. Iris is not daft. No. She comes across as daft sometimes but you'll find out very soon it's, how not daft she is. <laughs> it's interesting. I think. I think with Iris it's well, I think so. Very effective, with her, especially in the Silver Age stories, is you don't really get inside her head too often. True. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what she's thinking. You mm-hmm. don't really know how much she's clocked on to. Mm-hmm. She's around for a long time mm-hmm. still after this, and you know, and is you know, a very prominent character. You know, like yeah. to this day, you know, appearing in a TV show and the version of her mm-hmm. up in the the Snyder Cut, etc. I'm very fond of Iris as a character. Yeah. I, I do like the fact that you know that she probably had Barry sussed straight from the start, but. <laughs> loved him too much to actually Mm. spoil anything or... But to not put him in a position where he would feel uncomfortable revealing anything to her. Yeah, she kept his secret and stuff Uh and, you know, was on his side, which is nice. It's it's, it's nice to see that sort of positive relationship, Mm -hmm. I suppose, you know, having each other's back and stuff. Yeah. I do love how Joan and Jay turn up at Barry's door very much in the same style as Barry turning up at Jay's store in course. Class One, Two, Three. Of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. So it's just great fun. Mm-hmm. I just love that stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a conscious homage or if it's just me reading into it, but yeah, I love yeah, that. It's, it's so, so good. It was a good, fun, fast-paced story. We talked. We mentioned the quicksand. How it me. That found. I mean, it mm-hmm. it put, it really did feel like a Star Trek plot in a way that where yeah. Kirk and Spock were put through trials to kind of mm-hmm. have their energy zapped from them. You you can imagine perfectly just it going wrong. Yeah, and the guy being devolved into a baby at the end <laughs> yeah. of the episode or something. You yeah. know, and, and the Enterprise leaving. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Quick pace. The artwork when it was good was very good. You know, I certainly enjoyed it a lot more than Flash One Seventeen. Okay. Mainly because I think. It was a bit pacier and I liked mm. the sci fi element of it. You know, okay. It was nice to have, and it was, I mean, let's be honest, it was so cool to have Jane, Wally, and Barry teamed up together. Yeah, we haven't had that yet, so that was great. And Barry and Wally don't actually team up an awful lot. Mm. People talk about Wally coming back and DC Rebirth. Barry's saying, Oh, how could I forget you? But yeah. all the other characters that Wally visited in that storyline, he'd had a much stronger and longer relationship with. Yeah, I mean, I think, because a lot of the time, obviously, Barry's in the main story of the comic, and Kip Flash is a backup strip. Yeah, huh. you know, they're they're kind of running separately mm-hmm. almost. There was enough stuff, I think, to kind of cement the relationship and yeah, flag that all up. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, it's a fair point. Yeah, it's a fair point. One of the things I liked was uh, Goldman's laboratory with these big hovering discs that they're standing on. It reminded me quite a bit of the combat discs that they stood on in the Flash Gordon movie moved about oh yeah just get, get like you. smaller yeah. versions of that yeah i totally get that yeah. kind of expected spikes to come out of it anyway uh but yeah that was that was quite fun i did enjoy that obviously mm-hmm. that's much later on compared to this story but it, it did spark a memory of that in me so yeah i mean it, it did feel very outer space science fiction a, yeah. a lot of flash stories really don't i mean yeah maybe that's just because it was john broom mm-hmm. that was writing it and he's obviously got his green lantern experience by this point yeah quite adam strangey i would say you know, Aye. that alien world is very yeah. adam strangey yeah Aye, i think i think we liked it shall we have a look and see what people thought at the time Yes, let's move on to the letters column from issue 176. Flashgrams from issue 176. There's only two letters in this page, but they are very interesting letters. Mm. So I'll kick off with the first one. Mm-hmm. Dear Editor, The cover in Flash 173 looked interesting, but I can't help thinking it would have been much more impressive if you merely had a straight shot of the three flashes running right out of the cover toward the reader. Artwise, wise Flight of the Flashes was spectacular. Sid Green is doubtless your very best inker and one of the finest artists in your whole office. The only difficulty I can find with his work on Infantino's pencils is the way he handles women. I take it he means drawing women. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's handle- very rough. <laughs> well, Now, I know he doesn't dislike women, but why can't he give them the same careful attention to detail that he gives his male subjects? Really, the work in faces and hairdos of the girls this time round was pretty bad. Actually, Joan's hairdo reminded me a bit of Stripesy's golden age hairdo. <laughs> <laughs> the way it's kind of like up a bit. Let me just... <laughs> yes, yes. Very much like your um your custom Funko of Stripesy, which <laughs> makes me laugh so much because you've recreated the hair so well. Yeah. Only when he traced exact lines as towards the end of the story did this situation begin to correct itself. Otherwise, always perfect as usual. Another artistic triumph. Err. Uh, say there, editor... I always thought this story was about Flash and not Superman, yet I see more and more throughout Flash stories that he's achieving extraordinary powers far beyond those which he was originally endowed. Such as ripping that solid steel gun all to pieces, using super breath to bowl a crook over and the like. Well, to be honest, I was kid Flash who did both of those things. Mm -hmm. anyway, These things might be remotely possible for a character going at super speed, but I don't think they are very probable. Please keep the super speed stunts down to the things we know and expect. Flash doesn't need extra powers to handle his menaces. His speed alone, and the more reasonable things it produces, as seen in past issues, can take care of these problems. That's a bit... Is he basically saying that the Flash shouldn't develop new ways of using his speed and just keep it... uh, Yeah. yeah. I quite liked the the blowback sort of thing. It was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Your villain this time round was not very impressive. Well, I'll take that back. He was impressive, but not very villainous. I found my sympathies were entirely with him most of the way through the adventure. I found myself hoping against hope that he would triumph and advance the evolution of his planet so that he could have the companionship he so desperately sought. What I don't understand, though, was why Golden Man simply didn't ask the three Flashes for help. There we go. (laughs) Great minds. Such a worthy project would probably have enlisted their aid immediately. Attempting to use coercion and trickery to force the Flashes to produce what he wanted was his undoing. There is undoubtedly some kind of moral lesson there somewhere. This story was so well done that I can't add my usual little stream of gripes and complaints. The action was brilliantly handled. Writer Broom threw exactly the right situations as her heroes at exactly the right time. The climax was perfectly executed. The flashes from different worlds didn't trip over each other's good deeds as I half expected they would. Nor did Broom resort to that hideous old cliche of having them split up to look for different answers. He didn't need to. Thanks to careful foreplanning and extremely fine work, I hope future Flash comics continue to meet the high standards set by this issue, art and story-wise. And that's from Robert Jennings—not my friend Robert Jennings, but another Robert Jennings from New York. Mm. Editorial response is: We can't go along with your objection to the new Super Speed stunts Flash has been pulling off recently. To repeat stunts that we know and expect would make them old hat, and who likes to look at someone sport an old hat season after season? If the surprise stunts conceivably can be a byproduct of Super Speed. It's in. Well, technically, Jay's wearing an old hat, and he's always wearing an old hat. <laughs> yes, very old hat. Whether you go for the World War One style almost, hat or the actual Mercury, ancient Greek hat. Almost 30 years old by this point, mm-hmm. yeah. The next letter It's from Jeff Pierce in Stanford, California. Not Black Lightning, Jeff Pierce. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> dear Editor, when will I get a book? When will I be created? Yeah, Yours, Jeff Pierce. Well, Jeff. Okay, Dear Editor, Allow me to begin this literary masterpiece of mine, (laughs) that's modest, by announcing to the world the following world-shattering statement. Gardner Fox is the only man that can write stories involving Golden Age heroes well. Uh Uh-oh. With that of the way, we can now proceed to bigger and better things. Flash 173 featuring the doomward flight of the Flashes. I can't really see how that title actually sort of applies now, to be honest. It should should have been Challenge of Golden Man or something, I don't know. Flash 173, featuring the Doomward Flight of the Flashes, was the worst issue of this magazine published since issue 166. Not even real origin of The Flash could match this issue for sheer all-round stupidity. Blimey. Well. Of course, 166 was the, the sole time Jay Garrick appeared in 1966. Either, and I'm so glad we did that story. Anyway, <laughs> I shall start unloading my bag of complaints where most readers start with the cover. All three of the speedsters were too heavily built. <gasps> Giving the impression of three running supermen, no, not at all. Why not let us have the old flashback? The flash I knew and loved, old brother, was muscular, but in a nice sort of way. Hmm. He looked like a runner rather than the wrestler. Now let's look at the cover. Maybe it's just the angle they're running up. But I mean, Barry looks a bit more built, but Jane Wally looks fine. Yeah, as I said, Carmine's art is changing and he does go into a chunkier style. Yeah. And he is drawing a lot of Batman at this moment of too. Of course. The letter continues. The inside art wasn't much better than that on the cover. Gosh. In issues 168 through 171, Sid Green was adding more of his own style to Carmine Infantino's work than he is now. The art in this issue looked too much like the stuff that results from Infantino inking his own pencils. The noses in every panel were too pointed. Eyes were never shown in anything but a squint. One good note though, the backgrounds, machines and positions were as good as always. Yes, I thought the positions were excellent, <laughs> didn't you Peter? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. I hope that Sid adds more of his style to the art in the future than he did this issue. Wow, that's weird because we generally we like the art. Hmm. Okay. Now, the story. Doomward Flight of the Flashes sounds very dramatic, so naturally I expected the story to be as dramatic as the title. Let me go on record as saying that there was not one dramatic word in the entire issue. Rubbish, what about the whole quicksand thing? Mm -hmm. What about J being... Oh, anyway. The closest thing to drama I could find was the sentence in the little editorial blurb at the bottom of page one, which reads, No subscriptions accepted without zip code oh dear wow rather than drama I found a mismatch of old short story plots fingers pointing at Kid Flash exhaling at a criminal and an orange skinned clown with feet like a duck and a red raindrop in the middle of his forehead perhaps he was attacked by a bottle of ketchup I haven't the faintest idea this is brilliant you are probably wondering about the statement I made in the beginning of this letter so I will set aside all of the sarcasm which has thus far run rampant through this epistle The reason I think Gardner Fox should be a permanent writer of the duo Flash epics is that Mr Fox, more than any other writer in your staff, is able to capture the mood of the golden age of comics on paper. Not even John Broome's superb Green Lantern team-ups can come close to. Flash of Two Worlds, Solomon Grundy, Goes on a Rampage, and the best of all, Beyond the Sinister Barrier. Now, Beyond the Sinister Barrier, that was the Spectre. Yes. Only Mr Fox can expertly blend in all the many subplots, characterise the heroes, and most important of all, create the setting which is so necessary to any story. This is why he's my favourite writer. Now that's interesting because you and I had remarked how almost simplistic and straightforward Garden stuff was with yeah. the, the huge amount of say what you see captioning and dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, that kind of, you know, they were well-paced and enjoyable those stories, mm-hmm. but that, mm, okay. Jeff concludes his letter then by saying, let us just record issue 173 as is a blot in the almost perfect flash record and hope that such things as doomward flight of the flashes are never forced... On the reading public again. Wow. I completely disagree. Yes, future Black Lightning. Yes. Jeff Pierce, we disagree with you from Stanford, California. Yes. Editorial (laughs) response to that one then is... Since Infantino Green are no longer handling the Flash art, we'll dispense with any counter comment. Mm -hmm. And since John Broome is not golden ageing it with the stories in this issue, we'll waive comment on that score too. All of which leaves us with nothing to say, except that Gardner Fox has book-length next issue's swell-headed superhero... Courtesy of the Trickster. Uh, talking about issue 177, right, that's fine. Yeah. That's the yellow cover with Barry with the giant Mikon style swollen dome yeah, head. It? one of the first Silver Age Flash comics I got, because yeah. I could not resist that cover. <laughs> I don't know if I've still got my copy of that. I might have. I've had my copy of 173 for a very long time. I'm sure that's another one that I got from the late Mr Root in the early 90s. It was interesting to see that they didn't like the cover. I think it's a brilliant cover concept. Mm-hmm. Highlighting all three of them, giving Jay a bit of prominence. Yeah, it's cool. And having it stand out against the black, is it really pops. Yeah, yeah it good. does. One of the things I want to mention as well is uh, Goldman kind of reminded me of... Do you remember the old Silver Age Flash issue, Land of Golden Giants? Yes, issue he, 120-odd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that he, yeah. his look kind of reminded me of, of them as well. And also, there's a line of Flash's dialogue which says, this must be what Earth was like millions of years ago while mountains were rising. Barry's been back in the past several million years before <laughs> and he has seen that sort of stuff. So I don't know why he's saying this must be what Earth was like because he's been seen there and seen, seen it. He's seen it with his own eyes. So, Interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, I think you've been a wee bit too picky there. I am being picky there. <laughs> but hey, you're allowed to be. It's our podcast. we pickies as we like. So that was the Doomer Flight of the Flashes. It pure was. It was great fun. It was. I, I really liked it. I hadn't read it, I don't think, probably since I bought it. Mm-hmm. I was very pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. It was, even in our preparation, I think I remember saying something to you that it was one that I can dismiss because I found it a bit tricky, and a bit overcomplicated. But that was a pleasure to read and a pleasure to revisit. I really did enjoy yep. that one. Golden Man is certainly a unique villain, and uh, we're going to enjoy putting images of him up on our social media. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just so you can see exactly how ridiculous and outrageous he looks, he looks how? like Studio Fifty Four Golden Man. So, if you want to see what he looks like, check us out on our social media on Facebook. We're at the Earth2 Podcast on Instagram, we're at the Earth2 Podcast, and on Twitter, we're at podcast underscore Earth2, and it's the number two for all our social media. Also, make sure you check out our website, that's the Earth2Podcast.com, where you can find this and all of our previous episodes. Absolutely. So, yes, please check out. There's going to be a good mix of extra bonus content for issue 173. Check it out and see what you think. Indeed. And on that note, I've been Peter. And I've been David. And you've been listening to. The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime. And in the background, you see Jay whispering to Wally. Wally. <coughs> Sorry. Do you want to see some puppies? <laughs> Do you like gladiator movies? <laughs> <laughs> <'Cause> that's dark. <laughs> and we can hear Gordon Gordon. Gordon man. <laughs> My name is Gordon Mann. I am Gordon Mann, of the Legion of Superheroes. (laughs) I have the power of all the Gordons. The strength of 100 Gordons. And we can hear, Gordon... (laughs)